Blog Talk Radio. Voicemail of Larry Dorman, Council for Public Affairs. Please leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thanks. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Yeah, hi, Larry. It's uh, Leo and Lila. Listen, if you want to call in the show, call in 646-915-9505, all right, and then I'll put you on. Um, I'm not sure what else to, to do. Uh, again, I'm sure you probably wound up in that meeting. So just, uh, again, dial in uh, <coughs> our, our call number, 646-915-9505. Okay. And uh, we will. I'm, I'm right now, I'm looking at the AFL-CIO Now blog, and Every week they have the low-wage villain of the week, and this, this is really interesting. And it says, in our new regular feature, we'll be taking a look at the villains who are doing their best to prevent the United States from raising wages for all or some Americans. In this series, we're going to look past the usual suspects. For example, while it's true too often that elected officials get in the way of a fair economy, we want to dig a little deeper. This week, we're focusing our attention on an institution designed to generate seven-figure salaries off the sweat of uncompensated labor, the NCAA. Trial testimony just wrapped up in a case that has made clear that while NCAA executives and the coaches of men's basketball and football teams are millionaires, 
players risk lives marred by injury without the comforts of adequate compensation, long-term health care benefits, or the benefit of collective bargaining. As the Washington Post, John Feinstein put it, put it this is what he says, NCAA, that's the National College Athletic Association President Mark Emeritt, who is reportedly paid $1.67 million annually, claims that if football and men's basketball players were paid in any way, shape, or form, fans would lose interest in college athletics. When U.S. District Judge Claudia Wilkins, who is clearly skeptical um, about the NCAA's claims, asked him if that would be the case if a trust fund was set up so players could be paid after graduation, Emmerich insisted that it would. Seriously? What rock has this man been living under? The National College Athletic Association sold its soul to corporate America a long time ago. What does Emirates do to justify joining the 1% of the sweat and skill of NCAA players? Perhaps it is to argue without noticeable twitches or the obvious signs of discomfort in favor of rank hypocrisy. As Grantland's Charles Pierce observed while covering the child. Emirate, trial, Emirate was trying to make the case that the NCAA's core values of amateurism actually protects college athletes from commercial exploitation, whereupon the attorney for former NCAA players, Bill Jack Isaacson, displayed on dozen or so video screens scattered throughout the courtroom example after example of college athletes being used in the NCAA promotional material, as well as example after example of college athletes during post-game press conferences sitting in front of huge banners thick with the names of NCAA's various corporate sponsors. Judge Wilkins found this display far more intriguing than was comfortable for Emirates, whose testimony eventually came down to nothing more than a paraphrase of the discussion of having of hazing from Animal House. Can we check and see if there are any calls? He can't do that to our pledges. Only we can do that to our pledges. Wilkins looks very bemused by this argument. For getting paid the big bucks, while wringing each and every last dime from the labor of players who left college decades ago, Mark Emmerich is our low-wage villain of the week. Or should it be no-wage villain of the week? Those poor guys don't get paid. Please, yeah. um, I'm sorry, Lila. Oh, we now... Oh, go ahead. But no, go ahead. Oh, I think Larry's on. Yeah. Okay. I should be on my Hi, Larry. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi, Hi how are Larry. You? How are you? Sorry, we good, didn't get good. to you there. Yeah, I had to uh, find a zone uh, in the where I'm uh, at in Bristol, so thanks for your hanging on. Oh, uh, uh, we we figured you were either in the middle of something or couldn't uh, couldn't connect with us, but that's fine. How did that speech go that you gave the, the a week ago or so ago? 
Remember a couple the, of weeks? Uh, yeah, well, you'll have to refresh my memory. Which one? Yeah, you had so many. Uh, uh, the one that you we were supposed to do a couple of two uh, Wednesdays ago. I think it was two Wednesdays ago. Yeah, yeah. with the Board of Ed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that work? Well, out? we, yeah, it was interesting. We um, had this is a major should be it ought to be a major victory against outsourcing uh, in Bristol, Connecticut. The Labor Board, State Board of Labor Relations, um, upheld our argument that the Board of Education acted in bad faith when they reneged on a tentative agreement that would have prevented uh, outsourcing. That is to say, the hiring of an out-of-state for-profit company to replace um, our cafeteria workers and provide food services to Bristol kids. And uh, the Labor Board uh, ruled in our favor, and uh, since then the Board of Ed's refused to acknowledge uh, or honor the decision. So we uh, are going to keep pursuing the fight. We, we, we've won, but uh, we got some Tea Party Republicans in control of that board, and so we, we brought 50 of our workers, almost 50, last week, to a special meeting, and they went into an, uh, what's called a executive session and then just kept us waiting for about two and a half hours. But we all waited, and then uh, when we left, they finally adjourned, you know, after 11 o'clock. So they're, they're just afraid to face us. Well, they should be. So uh, they, they didn't honor the process? Is that, is that what happened? Right. Sought to, um, they voted. Uh, the Republicans sought to outsource. Uh, this has been almost a two-year fight, and, and we represent 53 cafeteria workers, uh, virtually all of whom live in Bristol. Uh, have either sent their kids through the schools or are sending their kids through the schools. You know, they live and pay taxes in the town. So, real insulting, real slap in the face. And uh, the bargaining unit actually made significant economic concessions that would have provided equivalent savings. This included changes in health care, uh, giving up their paid snow days. They're so poorly paid that, quite frankly, they uh, were compensated uh, for snow days when the school would call out, mm-hmm. uh, when, the school, when the Board of Ed would cancel school because of snow, or members would get uh, paid because... Um, under contract. So because of the number of snow days we've had uh, in the last couple of years, that that practically alone would have provided the Board of Ed with the savings. So they voted, they shook our hands in private in negotiations and then proceeded to vote against it in the public Board of Ed meeting. Uh, And then they had the audacity to hire Whitson's uh, a couple of months ago and they've yet to re- announce the full terms of the contract, and then they got a labor board decision about two weeks later uh, validating our position. So the whole thing is just a mess. You know oh, what that's I wanted, terrible. You know, yeah. You know what I wanted? To, there, were two, there were two major questions that I want to ask for you tonight. One was the, uh, uh, the Supreme Court ruling, yep. but not yep. just on the insanity of the uh, religious uh, Hobby Lobby, uh, but the yep. that me too was the Supreme Court ruled on Monday that uh, remember the, uh, we were talking about mm-hmm. the home health care, home care and yep. child care providers, uh, members were yes. not required to pay fair share dues. I didn't really quite understand that that that, uh, that ruling, uh, but uh, can you clarify that a little bit because I'm sure a lot of yeah. people are confused. Yeah, what that. what happened? Uh, I'll try to be as concise as I can. Um, sure. Not easily explained, but home uh, home care workers across the country have been 
uh, organizing and forming unions, primarily with APS and with SEIU. And in uh, what happened in Illinois, legislation was passed enabling the process to happen, and AFSCME has uh, organized these workers. SEIU, as I said, has been organizing them. So the national, and when I say, well, talk about organizing these workers, home care, their personal care assistance, independent providers, kind of interchangeable terms. Uh, these are uh, people who do very tough work with uh, uh, either developmentally disabled children, aging adults, uh, et cetera, and they are not uh, purely state employees. That is to say they are not hired by the state of Illinois or the state of Connecticut or the state of California or the state of Vermont where they just recently signed a new, uh, came to agreement on a new contract. They're, you know, they're reimbursed through the Medicaid system. Um, so in other words, state subsidizes um, the people who pay the home care providers. So uh, they're indirectly or quasi-public uh, employees, I guess. And the National Right to Work Foundation, which is an anti-union group and funded um, by people, bad people like the Koch brothers, um, found a dissident worker in Illinois and used her to file a lawsuit against the uh, law in Illinois, claiming that she shouldn't be uh, forced to be in the union and pay dues, even though the union was going to represent her and uh, fight for her uh, wages and benefits. So the case wound its way to the Supreme This law was passed a few years ago, and then the case, uh, the right-wingers kept, uh, who absolutely used this woman, Pamela Harris, uh, and they kept appealing and brought their appeal to the Supreme Court. And so the Supreme Court ruled Monday that these um, uh, private care um, providers, independent providers, um, private care uh, workers don't have to, not only don't have to belong to the union, they don't have to pay what's called their fair share, meaning um, they get to be free riders and force the union to represent them even though they won't pay a dime of dues. And um, so they get all the protections without having to you know, invest and pay, as I say, their fair share. So clearly the elite, uh, Samuel Alito, uh, who wrote the opinion, um, wrote a nasty opinion uh, that was essentially very much condemned public employee unions. And uh, Elena Kagan uh, wrote a beautiful um, response in the minority decision, but the majority prevailed. There was a fear that they would use the Harris versus Quinn case to say that all public employees essentially can opt out of a union and not pay dues but receive um, the benefits of representation, which I think is wrong. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we have an AFSCME, as Lila probably knows, every once a year we publish uh, uh, what's called, it's an official report, it's called the Hudson or Agency Fee Report. Every year we give our members the opportunity to become agency fee payers. And not only do we do that, we publish every penny of our expenses and then give, uh, and through that determine a certain amount so that they become what's called agency fee. And so their dues will be slightly reduced because they don't, because they're objecting to the fact that we expend money above and beyond a small, 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 small amount of dues money above and beyond collective bargaining purposes to protect their rights um, at the legislature. 
So the long story short, this was an effort essentially to aim a kill shot at the public sector union movement. Um, it, it came up short, but the, uh, the, the bad guys are looking for more lawsuits, and I think they'll be coming after us in another court case. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Um, right, and, and it would, yeah, and it's really, it is nothing more than a, you know, a naked, bald-faced effort to strip uh, uh, workers of their right to representation. It's an effort to silence uh, working people, plain and simple, by by uh, crushing the ability of their of their unions to represent them. Yep, that's that's yeah, that's. Terrible. Sorry for the long-winded answer, but that's that's where it's at. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I figured that's what it what it was. And what about this Hobby Lobby thing? Um, I'm really afraid wow. that this wow. is all another example of how we're going to die by the inch. Well, here let me, let me explain this. Uh, this, yeah. this guy quoted this guy quoted um, this guy named uh, Ryan Devon. I wrote wrote this yep. thing on uh, Occupy Democrats. It said. When your Jehovah Witness boss refuses to let you have a blood transfusion, when your Scientologist boss refuses to cover psychiatric medication, and when your Christian scientist boss refuses to cover anything, thank your wonderful Supreme Court. Yeah. have been opened to allow an individual boss to dictate your health care choices. And people say Obamacare is an intrusion on your freedoms. Wake up, America! Right. Well, what was terrible is to see all of the lunatic fringe that's becoming, maybe they're just becoming louder and uh, the louder majority, you know, praising the decision and behaving as if Obamacare is the intrusion. So that's, that's, you know, that, that is well said. Oh, yeah. um, so here's the, you know, first of all, Hobby Lobby, you know, it, it, as if it's a small business, it's a chain store that's you know right. uh hugely successful and and, and hey um don't begrudge it don't begrudge anybody um a friend of mine sent me a link their pension among their uh funds the their pension funds invested in companies that produce contraceptive devices <laughs> so these guys are just great they'll make money hand over fist and contradict every one of their own principles to line their own pockets but when it comes to doing the right and moral thing by their employees, uh, they, they don't have time for that. Well, it's just an excuse not to to whittle down health care. That's all it is. Yeah, you just you, what you just said is really good, Lila. You know, death by a thousand cuts. Because and, and the piece that Leo just read, because this is exactly what's going to happen. Employers are going to start cherry picking um, what they feel they can cover and not cover, uh, regardless of what the actual policy says. And um, it's just uh, an effort to uh, uh, destroy employer-based health care. And absent any other way of doing it, um, seems to me that this is, you know, this is the system we have. Again, you know, we need single-payer. We need a single-payer system. We can end this insanity and stop these stupid cases from getting to the Supreme Court where they're going to invariably rule against people like you and me. Unbelievable this the rulings this Supreme Court has. I'm sure he right, can just, look at a group of people and yeah. just say, Oh my god. I, I hope so, Lila and Leo, I hope so. But in the meantime, you know, there's so many crazy things and hypocritical pieces of this decision and like I said, the one that just jumps out is uh, you know, this is about 
the small private business owner. You know, Hobby Lobby is anything but that, you know. <laughs> right. I, uh, I mean, I've never stepped inside that store, and I certainly never will now. But, um, you know, there are some in Connecticut. But it, this Supreme Court, uh, I read somewhere that, uh, I think it was an Atlantic Monthly um that they, in, in cases involving workers' rights versus corporate rights, uh, employer rights, they ruled for the workers about 1% of the cases, and the rest have gone the way of the corporations. Yeah, uh, that's true. But besides uh, the Hobby Lobby stores, I'm not going to Staples either. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, that's because they're trying to uh, do the work of the postal workers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yep. yeah, now, now, is that, now, is that just Staples, or is that is that happening elsewhere? It's Staples. It's just Staples. Staples. Uh, Staples. Yeah, the AFL-CIO is specifically called for a boycott of uh, Staples. So um, I appreciate you you're doing that. And, and by the way, and it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a boycott a year ago, but, um, you know, the CEO of Staples, and his name escapes me, is... Uh, you know, he was a big supporter of Mitt Romney. Um, he is like, he is the person, his name is Tom. I can't remember his last name, but look him up. I mean, he is a personification of the 1%. Oh, yeah, really? And, and he was the one, you know, he said Mitt Romney, but Mitt Romney was the, was the, was the backer of Staples. Yeah, that that's that right. The Bain, Bain Capital. Uh, gave Good point, the, that's right. Uh, yeah, main investor. Good point. Yeah. Funny how it all sort of, these guys all circle back to each other. All back to the fraternity, you know. <laughs> yeah, it is. Back to the frat that's a good way to that's a good way to describe it. It's a fraternity of rich guys putting the that's screws to everybody else. Oh, speaking of rich you, guys, uh, that do you remember? Do you remember? I just wanted to mention it because he was talking about this. But remember Greg Palas? Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you remember? Uh, I don't know if you know the guy. A very very famous reporter, uh, Greg yeah. Pulaski. You know, yeah. yeah, we've had him on the show a lot of times, and he, he's a really oh, funny neat. guy. But he said uh, he 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 once uh, told us that they, this was back in God 2003 2004. <laughs> he told us that because the, the difference, the only difference, he says the the, the um, Al Gore and uh, and Bush or. Uh, 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 GW. Uh, the only difference between these guys is that you know they, they're, they're all from the same fraternity. And he says, "Okay, this week, this week you're going to be the bad guy, and and I'm going to I'm going to be the boss, and then next week you're going to you know right. he says, it's all a frat house thing." He says, uh, "A lot of these guys went to the same fraternities, you know, or in the same colleges, you know." Boy, so, that's not. Yeah, and he says yeah, that's, that's all neat. Yeah, What's that's that? neat that you've had him on. I've read his stuff too, so oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg, Greg is remarkable. But uh, in fact, not to go into it, but he, he, he on the night. Remember the California recall? Yep. With, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. We were yeah, the first, with Ray Davis. Yeah. 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 He he broke his story on our on our show on Q103 uh, about uh, Schwarzenegger being. Uh, 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 put up by um, uh, Enron. Enron, right? yep, Skilling. Yeah, yep. they put him up because 
he he uh, uh, who was it? Uh, the state of California had a nine billion dollars lawsuit against Enron. All right. Right. And and, and Enron needed to save needed to, to get somebody to to, to scrub the, the lawsuit. So they put up uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right. And the other guy, the Bustamani guy, who who ran against him, uh, was uh, 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 actually the guy who he was the uh, uh, I think he was the uh, state attorney general, all right? Who yeah. Processed yeah, you're right. Senron. So he broke that whole story on our show that, that night. That was very cool. And yeah, it was great. But uh, uh, we were the first ones to, to pick that up. Nobody else wanted to wanted to uh, uh, believe him. And he had to run yeah. that story in England where he works. Yeah, he works for the BBC. But uh, uh, the amazing wow. thing is, is that we're... I don't know about you guys, but I, I mean, how how does the union feel now about their media? Uh, I mean, they're getting such lousy media coverage anywhere. Uh, it's terrible, but it's also kind of always been that way. Um, oh, I think it was know, better. No, I, yeah, I mean, look, it was better when um, a there were more union members in general, um, and b there were much more. There was much more. Um, union representation within the actual ranks of reporters and you know, the old typographers and the print shop. Um, so there was, you know, there was better reporting and there was more of it because newspapers had labor and workplace beats. TV wasn't quite as dominant. Of course, I'm talking about many years ago. What's yeah. happened, I think I saw in Facebook, you probably saw the same thing. Somebody had a post that, uh, you know, all of the media coverage is now provided by about six corporations, yeah, you know, yeah, all, yeah. all of the, all of the outlets. So, so yeah, they, you know, we're vilified or ignored. Those are like the two options generally. And it's not an accident. It's because they don't want to have unions. They don't want to empower people to think about unions or recognize the role unions play in strengthening the middle class and reducing economic inequality. So media, and this is why you guys exist, thankfully, though, is that you understand that. That's, you know, you're trying to provide an alternative to the mainstream that just doesn't exist. And I think people have to do what you're doing, you know. Oh, definitely. People have to get on and they have to talk and they have to talk about the things that are important. But uh, yeah. we were talking about rich people just a few minutes ago and corporations. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. The, the Congress, again, is well on the path to being rich. They've um, allowed Oh, they're not us, well on it, Lila. They're there. <laughs> yes, once again allowed themselves to have insider trading. Yeah. About a year ago, they uh, passed a bill saying they wouldn't do that anymore. But they, whoops. <laughs> I don't know whether Larry's with us or not. Yeah, I'm just there. Yeah, I'm standing outside, so some cars went whizzing by. (laughs) I wasn't sure whether something happened to you. (laughs) Thank you you for asking. (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) I'm standing in the streets of Bristol, so. uh, (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, So they they recently, while everything else is going on, wars all over the world, immigrants coming over the border, Problem, problem, problem. They've quietly passed uh, a law saying they can now, uh, once again, resume insider trading. They also can uh, go on trips. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad for our Congress? Listen, I'm going to give credit. They're not all 
you know, they're not all corrupt and all bad. Joe Courtney, who's one of our, our congressmen from Connecticut down in the second district, is a really good man. And um, he's always said there's no reason why Americans shouldn't have the health care plan that I have. But to your point, and I'm not trying to evade it, I believe pretty much every member of the U.S. Senate or the average um, Senate salary is in excess of a million dollars. They're million dollars. They're millionaires. And, and many in Congress are millionaires. So, yes, it's a rich person's game. It's a racket. It really is. And I understand why they don't want term limits. No, they, it's they a deal are, Talk about being on the gravy train. But it, you know, it just annoys me so much when I see how hard it is for um, the people in the unions that you represent who do a lot of very, very hard work and they're not really compensated fairly for the work that they do. I mean, it, it's no. very difficult. Yeah. It makes people very bitter and angry, and it also, um, you know, gets you wondering how is it that we've reached this state where the only attacks uh, legislatively and legally through the courts, it's always directed, you know, at working people. It's directed at women. It's directed at people of color. It really is, you know, everything's directed at those who don't have, you know, um, are just trying to get by and play by the rules and do things right. And, you know, it's... Uh, it, it, to say it's a disturbing trend is, uh, you know, an understatement. Like you, you, said, you guys have both said, you know, this is, it's death by a thousand cuts. But you know, we're not going to die. We're not. They'll, they'll have to kill us. <laughs> we're uh, going away. I, yeah. yeah. No, Through the Supreme Court, and that's what I tell my members. No Supreme Court justice is going to decide what you get to fight for. Now, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something. If I was the head of a revolution, uh, the two things that I would, the two things I would go after first in this country would be the Supreme Court, yeah, and, uh, and, and the media. Those would be the two big things. Yeah. Well, you know, over those, and you got not a nice. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with. I agree with you. I uh, don't want to. You know, I know this is going to be misinterpreted, and, and I deserve to have it misinterpreted. But before. Uh, you know, earlier this evening uh, before my meeting, I was online, and I guess uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, the, you know, the, who's one of the Wall Street insiders, uh, you know, uh, taking huge pay cuts, uh, uh, t- taking huge pay increases, et cetera. Um, one of the guys that, you know, Obama was threatening to do something to and ended up caving into. So Jamie Dimon um, has throat cancer. And so there's an article on Yahoo about, you know, the shared characteristics of people like that. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't wish ill on him, but there are some people I wish ill on. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, uh, you know, I I can't feel I can't really feel a shred of sympathy for a guy who, you know, was one of the members that brought the financial crisis on us. And, you know, his involvement in J.P. Morgan, uh, the, the obscene executive salaries. Um, and, you know, do you think his employees have the health care he's got? Um, you know, do regular Americans who actually do things, build things, uh, haul crash, plow roads, teach kids, work with uh, um, 
special needs people. You think they have the options and the choices this guy has? I can tell you they don't. You know what? You know what? Here, here, here's something. That, the next time you, you're trying to um, <clears throat> talk to somebody about the insanity of spending so much money on, on, on idiots, Congress refuses to spend money on unemployment benefits for veterans, right? Right. Waste and it wastes $400 billion on a jet that burst into flames on a runway. Yep. And it says Congress refuses to provide unemployment for 300,000 vets, all right? Um, right, right. $400 billion on the F-35 jet that caught fire on a Florida runway this week. Oh, now, that plane has mm-hmm. enormous problems. Prompting the Air Force to ground the entire fleet. Yep. $400 billion on a junk piece of... Uh, yeah. That's a lot of unemployment benefits and a lot of health care for somebody who needs it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, I gotta I gotta get back into this uh, oh, okay. meeting. Thank you very we're, much uh, for taking yeah. some time. Well, thank you. Um, and we will talk hopefully uh, late July, early August. That'd oh, be yeah. great. Yeah, and we'll talk. All soon. right. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. And happy right. fourth. Thanks. You too, Leo and Lila. Please have a safe and enjoyable holiday and. Keep the revolution spirit going. All right. All right, you too. All Keep right. up the fight, Dale, Thanks. Larry. All you right. too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Larry Dorman, Public Affairs Coordinator for AFSCME Council 4 from New Britain, Connecticut. Um, and, great uh, guy, yeah. always working and to support working people, trying to make sure that, wait, that jobs don't get outsourced, the public sector jobs yeah. don't, um, and it's a battle. I can't believe that board just ignored the decision of the labor board. Yeah. You know, they just don't do it. They just ignore it. Huh. I mean, there's no consequence for that? No. Apparently, don't they get fined or something? I guess not. I mean, I'd be pretty angry if I were a taxpayer and... Uh, a decision came down, and then the board wouldn't adhere to it, and then there was there were fines to pay because of it. Ah. I would be furious. Yeah, unbelievable. But we're we're um, we're, we're so grateful to, uh, to have a friend like Larry to come on the show and uh, break things down for us here and our listeners and um, oh, you know, and uh, what and made made in America pet treats and products. Well, a lot of them go right ahead. Well, I was just just thinking about that horrible scare that we had about a year ago about all those pet products that were made in China that were all contaminated. That was was more than one year ago. Was that a couple of years ago? Yeah, that was a couple of years ago. But but I didn't realize they had some made. Want to give your dog a bone? Give Fido one made in America by union workers who make milk bones. Members of a, of a bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers, local 36G and machinists, local 330 in Buffalo, New York, produce a variety of sizes, flavors, and biscuits, including flavor snacks, healthy favorites, soft and chewy dog snacks, and a, other assorted milk bone branded dog treats. Probably has wheat in it, so my dog couldn't have it, but I would... My dog used to buy, we used to buy milk bones. Oh, yeah, we got milk bones and all that stuff. But then, then he developed a, a gluten allergy. A, a gluten allergy or a, a wheat, uh, you know, a wheat allergy. 
head, we had, and we had to go to um, a prescription. Treat. No, yeah. well, for treats we go to uh, we had to go to a grain-free um, uh, kind of treat for them. So you, yeah. But by sticking with prep products that carry a Made in America Union label, you're doing more than a patriotic gesture. You're protecting your pets from the dangerous and sometimes deadly imported pet products. Earlier this year, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration reported that imported jerky treats from China were linked to the deaths of more than 1,000 dogs and also reported illness in 5,600 dogs and 24 cats. Wow. BCGM Local 366G at Nestle's Purina, Oklahoma City plant produces 1,500 tons of dog food each day and maintains an excellent safety record. None of its union-made pet food products have been recalled because of contamination, unlike many other pet products in recent years. That's true. When we could feed our dog Purina, he, none of the, uh, the canned food that he had was recalled. That's right. Well, what, what was it? No, it wasn't Purina. It was yeah. uh, Pedigree. Pedi- was it Pedigree? Pedigree. I don't, I don't know who it was. Pedigree. Was pedigree. Was one, yeah. And none of ours was recalled. But also, Purina is made in this country, and yeah. none of theirs was recalled. Yeah. Other popular dog foods that carry the union label include Nine Lives, Friskies, Kibbles and Bits, Science Diet, and Skippy, produced by United Food and Commercial Workers. In the category of cat necessities, we have Litter Green, Fresh Step, and Fresh Step from USCW plants, Potty Cat, and Nestle's Purina Pet Litter. So if your dog doesn't have the allergies and the problems that ours do, we have to buy a prescription diet now for our dogs. You could make sure that you buy... um, pet food that's made here in the United States, you don't have to worry that there's poisons put in it. When well, you, you still do. Yeah, you do. But, you know, you, you never know what, what they're feeding. If you look at the stuff, I mean, uh, most of your dog food is, is full of uh, fillers and uh, well, you have like Well, that. no, well, you have to read that, but you don't, ha- you, you don't have to worry the way you would when something's imported from China. Um, and, uh, they've, and they've had a lot of recalls, Leo. Leo. Yeah, on their pet food, and as a consequence of that, a lot of pets have died. There was some very serious consequences. So you can, you know, reduce the possibility of your dog or cat getting sick by making sure that you feed them products that are made in America. And, you know, it helps our economy, too. Student debt, probably as bad as we thought. This is another thing. The Brookings Institution, looking at data from 2010, has issued a report complaining, claiming the student debt issue isn't as bad as people think. Using the Federal Reserve data on households headed by 20 to 40-year-olds, they conclude the horror story stories of people struggling with student debt are exaggerated. The problem is more current data suggests student debt is more serious than Brookings suggests. Let's see what they say here. Let's see. 
The Brookings study looked at the debt among households headed by ages people ages 20 to 40, which means it misses people who have returned to their parents' households or had incomes below $1,000 or who weren't making payments on their loans. The data used in the study was incomplete and therefore skewed. In 2010, the incidence of adults living in shared households, that is, adults living with other adults, including adult children not in school living with their parents, increased from 27.7% in 2007 to 30% in 2010. In October 2010, among those 16 to 24 no longer enrolled in school, the unemployment rate for those who had some college or an associate's degree was 15% for men, 10% for women, and 9.9% for men and 9.3% for women with college degrees. It is likely those unemployed may have missed Brookings' earnings cutoff or, or struggled and were not making the payments on their loans. What the Brookings study does not cover is the more recent period in which student loan debt has become a problem for more than just young people. The New York Federal Reserve Bank reports that overall student debt increased to $363 billion in the first quarter of 2005 to $5,709 billion in the first quarter of 2008. By 2010, it was $758 billion, and by 2012, $966 billion. Okay. What the Brookings study tries to suggest is that young college graduates in 2010 who borrowed money for school aren't struggling with student loans more than in the early 1990s. From that perspective, the student debt crisis isn't likely to cause new problems for the current generation seeking to buy homes, etc. Well, there are two problems with that. The earnings of those 20 to 40 is not rising. The median income for households of 25 to 34 year olds in 2012 was below the 1988 level. And the more recent data for the newly minted college educated workers' wages is that they are flat for men and down for women since 2000. Further, the increase in student debt incidence is not limited to young people. Student debt held by those 40 to 49 doubled from the onset of the Great Recession. The delinquency rate rose from 11% to 16%. The Brookings study does remind us that the increase in students taking out loans reflects the increasingly diverse student body and potentially greater intergenerational mobility. This is emphasized by the National Urban League's report on African-American college students, showing the larger number of independent adult college students and the relatively low income of black students, which means greater needs to borrow. What is disturbing is that the Brookings study overstates the case that loans are affordable, undercutting the need to lower student loan interest and debt service. So they gave uh, an, an accurate report. Therefore, student loans are too high in cost for people. I guess I don't really. You know, this is a pretty long article. I'm going to refer it to you, and you can decide what you feel about it. But this guy wrote a, uh, wrote an article on Wi-Fi radiation escaping the net. All right, and he talks about the effects that that uh, electromagnetic frequencies have on us and how many there are around us. 
uh-huh. everywhere, including right here tonight. We're right in front of a computer. And uh, <clears throat> also, uh, that, uh, the many the many products that we use, which is like uh, microwaves, you know, uh, at each end of the communication is com- complicated transmitter receiver, right, which produces not only microwaves but also a wide band of rare frequencies right down to extra low frequencies or elf uh, brainwaves. The human race has been around for many thousands of years, but has only been subjected to this flood of electromagnetic waves in the last two decades, and some of us are struggling to adjust. Wi-Fi is something you cannot feel, see or feel, although some people and animals are able to hear it. Officials dub the microwave auditory, uh, auditory effect this is caused by the microwave pulse setting up an acoustic pressure wave that travels through bone to the inner ear. And safety regulations used in the government have not changed significantly since the 1990s and are only concerned with preventing electrical shocks and being overheated by the microwaves, not the longer-term uh, biological effects uh, seen uh, at much lower levels of radiation. But, but I want to. But this guy talks about the different uh, problems because he had them. Uh, he developed these uh, problems. Uh, he says, "I fight in our homes, you know." And it says, "Can we do without it uh, and still live interconnected life?" Um, and uh, those are the. I'm going to refer you to this article. And it's called "Electric Fence." Okay. Uh, living a naturally healthy life, or whatever, but the, the name of the place is called uh, Electric Sense. Sense. So there you go. You can try that one. That's out. the website. Yeah. Uh-huh. Electric Sense. Yeah. I don't know that one. Electric Sense.com. See? Huh. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> what's your assassin name? Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not sure I know that one. But uh, let's keep going here. Newman got his out of these directly to the White House. Um, huh. Huh. Anyway, uh, oh, here's from a friend of ours, um, Dahlia Wasi. Yeah, she's an advocate for um, uh, for the Iraqi people you know, mm-hmm. in the United States, and she's a, she's a former, she's a doctor, actually. Uh, be a, med- a medical doctor, and uh, she's spoken before the United Nations, and she's very, very forced, uh, very uh, forced to be reckoned with as an activist. And uh, she states that uh, on June 28, 2014, news from a contact with family in Mosul: currently, there are no salaries, no internet access, uh, water from time to time, and electricity uh, uh, for per uh, for. Must be four hours per uh, 24 hours. Four hours per 24, for every 24 hours. And the Syrian Air Force struck Baj, an area about three miles from Mosul, two days prior, June 26, causing casualties, and struck Ratba and Al-Khan. My contact fled to Turkey and wanted to uh, return to Mosul, uh, which means travel through Kurdish cities. But family said Kurdish forces were, not, were now blocking entry and exit between Mosul and Kurdish cities. And she's got a photo here now taken on the 28th um, of June. Uh, Al-Maliki strikes the area in Mosul near the old bridge. Thank God no one was hurt. 
See, she had she has family there. Oh, and they came. Right, she family. keeps she was in born contact. There. Yeah, she was, yeah. Her father was Iraqi, and uh, you know, uh, and uh, she she actually I believe she actually grew up there um, for some time, and then mm -hmm. you know, and then they immigrated here. Yeah, she was very young, and then she immigrated. Um, So what um, else do you have on there, Leo? Well, I think I have to. I, I think I should check this out so we get a few minutes. Um, this is kind of uh, interesting. I, this is a Western journalism quote here. They're so they're very left. They're very right wing. Um, blah, blah 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 blah. You know, but it's curious what they. They're always saying that. Uh, yeah, of course they are anti, very anti Obama, but understandably so in so many ways. But here they say, uh, watch, in just 41 seconds, Jimmy Kimmel makes, uh, just made a complete joke of, out of Obama's presidency. Okay. So there are no sporting events that increase productivity. It's not like you ever hear, wow, this U.S. Open really makes me want to start cranking up these expense reports. <laughs> counterproductive. We're getting even stopped at the White House today. About 200 White House staffers gathered to watch the game, but lo and behold, their boss walked in and began to lead them in cheer. Well, he believed in a lot of things that didn't quite work out. <laughs> Trans-Pacific Partnership is just a terrible thing. Well, there's something interesting. What's that, Leo? The guy just said this to me. 
the governors of three states, Missouri, Tennessee, and Connecticut, have declared July 1st a day of good deeds and kindness in honor of the late Rabbi Menken, Mendel Schneerson. Okay. Despite the fact that Schneerson supported Israel's land theft and human rights abuses against Palestinians, thought that Jews were a different species and non-Jews and opposed mixes, mixed marriages. All right? Now, this guy, our goddamn governor, just uh, has made this day in honor of him. I'm, I'm this sure is, he... This is a sick day here in Connecticut. And, now, of course, nobody knew that. No. Okay? But, you know, there's something about... He, there was something mentioned about Day of Good Deeds.
shrinkage in state and local government accounts for about 6% of the 2.9% GDP drop in the first quarter. Since 2011, federal employment has continued to fall, dragging on the GDP growth. The first quarter of this year was the first since the third quarter of 2012, in which contraction in government spending wasn't a drag on economic growth. Again, this reflects a declining public se sector investment necessary for long-term and sustainable growth. As the Affordable Care Act continues to spread coverage to more people, state and local governments have growing needs to administer the program effectively. As global warming continues to cause wild swings in our weather patterns, Local communities increasingly are pressed for first responders, adequate government response, and management of disasters. More than being a drag on the recovery, the threat of public mismanagement grows as fewer workers are in place to address public needs. The recent ruling by the Supreme Court in Harris versus Quinn <clears throat> may further complicate the matter of having adequate public sector workforce. Since the court ruled that home care workers in Illinois are not public employees, though so their wages come from a public program, they do not enjoy the status of public sector workers. This will continue to encourage the outsourcing of public functions, leading to reduced accountability with public funds. That's what that was about, that uh, Harris versus Quinn. Okay. okay. Well, we want to thank Larry Dorman and National Union for a big fight they're up to against constantly. And all the public workers, uh, unions, uh, reps, and uh, all the unions, anybody in the union, we, we, we respect you and we hope you keep, uh, you know, we hope you get, uh, hope you get paid. Now, think know. about whether you really want to shop at Staples and try to undermine yeah, the forget post, about Staples, post office. Know, and uh, when you hear the name Coke, you know, just, uh, you know, just curl up and uh, spit. So anyway, good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us, and please join in us tomorrow if you can for uh, uh, our Thursday night show. And good night, everyone. Good night, folks. Happy Fourth. Yeah.